Hello and welcome to another episode of Caged In. I am your host, your man with a scoop, your boy on the inside for your weekly scoop on Nick Cage and what his films have to say about the world we are living in and the people that we are, most specifically the man that I am. And does this journey rot my brain or somehow make me smarter? And next up on Caged In is next. So next we have next. And next was released in 2007. I know nothing about this film like many of the films uh, talked about on this podcast. And there's only one way I'm going to find out what's that about. And that's to watch it. And that's to really ingest it, sit here with my notebook and just find out what the hell is Cage, the director, and all the other actors trying to trying to tell us? If anything, uh, I know nothing about next. Um, I'm I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I want to see what is next. <laughs> but before we get into the bulk of the show, and I actually watch this uh, motherfucker. If you haven't guessed uh, as by now, I'm actually. Venturing into these murky waters alone this week. I know we've had a, uh, a string of guests. Uh, I say a string of guests. Uh, it's been the same guest uh, most weeks. And that has been the lovely Bob from tonight with Bob and Joe. And if you're not listening to those guys, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Check them out. Uh, I have recorded an episode of their podcast. Uh, I don't know when it will be out, but as soon as it is, check on all the social medias. Uh, my handles are at Caged In Pod, and I will shout out about that um but when it comes to this film i have to visit my little friend who has been out in the wilderness hunting around for those anagrams yes you got it guys it's another little check-in with my friend the anagram hunter at w uh, at thomas underscore w underscore hunter on twitter and he found a bit of difficulty this week trying to find an anagram for this film because next is only four letters long. If uh, yeah, if you haven't figured that out already, but he found something very interesting, and maybe is giving us a premonition of what is to come with this film. He found that there is a simple anagram in next, and that is ten. And the letter we have left over is X. And for those of you studious in uh, Roman numerals or uh, uh, history in any way, or just have a tattoo of your birthday and you happen to be born in either November or, um, yeah, born on the 10th, uh, the letter X is the Roman numeral for 10. And maybe in the stars, in the words, in the magic powers of anagrams, it is telling us that this film is a 10 out of 10. Maybe, guys, maybe this will be our first on the Caged In podcast that a film on IMDb is rated 10 out of 10. Maybe it's a pure fucking healthy tomato on Rotten Tomatoes and scores a whopping 100% and Roger Ebert gives this film four out of four, and Metacritic gives this a million out of a hundred because it's so fucking good. We can only hope that is the way. I know sometimes on this podcast we've been bitterly disappointed by the fare we have been offered, but we always live in hope for better days. And I'm a man who does that all the time, especially when it comes to Cage, a man I've grown to love, and a man who has... (laughs) 
had good luck this week in the uh, fact that he is finally going to play Superman. Maybe not in the way that he wanted in the fantastic vision that Tim Burton had for the ill-fated Superman lives, but he is going to play Superman in voice form, I believe that's called voice acting, in Teen Titans Go. He's not the only big name that will be in this. We also have Little Yachty. Yes, you heard me right. Little Yachty, Little Boat himself. For those of you who are not au fait with Mr. Boat, he is a uh, mumble rapper. He's a kind of... um, you're going to like sings about things that I enjoy, a bit like that. He's not very, uh, yeah, he's not in tune, but the kids seem to love it. I'm uh, not a fan of Mr. Boat stuff personally. I am um, yet to board that yacht and sail away into the sunset, but he is voicing the Green Lantern, and we can only say that this will be a bizarre and crazy film and i'm gonna have to watch it for this podcast and i'm also going to have to watch next so there's only one thing left to do and that's to get raging with cage let's talk about next baby let's talk about nikki c let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that i'll see let's talk about next with the one true god let's talk about next on the case in part. Okay, so where the fuck do we start with next? Um, this is not a film. This is a uh, TV show episode at best. It is um, not good. It is not good at all, guys. Uh, this was directed by Lee Tamahori, who had previously directed Triple X, The Next Level in 2005, and before that, Die Another Day, uh, a forgettable James Bond film, and a terrible sequel in Triple X 2, The Next Level. And uh, if I'd have known that, I should have known what I had coming for me. Uh, The tagline for this film is, if you can see the future, you can save it. And I feel like if I could have seen the future, I could have saved myself some fucking time. Uh, This is also based on a Philip K. Dick short story called The Golden Man. And I was actually having a conversation the other day with a friend of the podcast, Bob, talking about the idea that where do draw the line at stuff where it says like based upon something like how far how far removed can you go how much of this is actually in philip k dick's original story and how much of this is just bullshit that has been thrown at the table by a lot of it it seems like like reading the trivia for this a lot of it was just bullshit they threw at the wall and saw what stuck And for me, this pasta was very al dente because none of it fucking stuck. Um, One of the things uh, Nicolas Cage brought to the table for this film is that both 
his character should be a Vegas magician and that Jessica Bill's character should work as a teacher on uh, Native American reservations. Neither of these really play that much into the plot. Maybe more so his, but hers, not a jot. Nothing at all. Uh, No relevance to the plot whatsoever, apart from just showing that she's a bit of a lovely lady. And that is all... That is brought up in this film and then never brought... Like, you would have thought that would have caused some type of jeopardy. The fact of, like, her being held hostage, maybe, with these children... um, would bring Jeopardy into the film, but no, nothing. Uh, it's just kind of brought up, then dropped. Uh, like I wish this film had been. So let's talk about what the fuck happens, because I um, guess some of you might not have seen this film, and you are very lucky people. If you haven't, uh, I'm going to rattle through the kind of general plot of this film and then go back and talk about all the many problems I had with it. <laughs> so, we are like introduced to Frank Cadillac at the beginning, a uh, Vegas magician, which as soon as I saw Nicolas Cage, it made me think, this is the third time we have seen him in Las Vegas. First time would have been Honeymoon in Vegas, uh, the kind of caper, uh, yeah, like fatal attraction is it Fatal Attraction? No. Um, indecent Proposal style, like caper. And then in the Oscar winning Leaving Las Vegas. And this time, oh boy, it feels like he's been stuck in Vegas and uh, has really washed up. Almost like his character seems being some kind of hack, like um, psychic magician. And uh, another little fun fact as well, if you have seen this film or if you haven't, um, the lady, he um, says, like, your necklace is going to fall in three, two, one. That is actually played by his then-wife, Alice Kim Cage. So he's even slipping her into the film because possibly they couldn't find any other motherfuckers to do it because this film as well was produced by Nicolas Cage. So not only has he got himself to blame that he's in this piece of shit, he's also got himself to blame because he actually had... um, He was instrumental in it actually getting made, which I am really upset about, Nick. Um, I got really excited as well when I saw the credits of this film. Um, I didn't get excited because the credits the credits themselves, because they look crap. They look like a kind of like B... 90s like subpar thriller almost like similar to like seven or fight club or something like yeah, a real like david fincher looking like 90 and i was like this is 2007 guys like you can do better than this um and i but the thing i got excited about is peter folk i was like fucking hell columbo is in this this is this is this has got this has got to be good like peter folk he's not gonna put his name to any old shit is he well, he fucking has. Um, and uh, I genuinely, as well, I, I like, to begin with, I really like the score. I was like, oh, okay, this, this could be interesting. And then on the flip of a dime, uh, a little less conversation by Elvis comes on. I'm like, oh, we're in, we in Ocean's Eleven now? Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Um, so, yeah, we see him, like, doing his magic tricks and uh julianne moore is in the crowd she uh turns out to be an fbi agent and 
they are trying to get Chris Johnson, uh, who is Nicolas Cage's character, whose stage name is Frank Cadillac, which he explains later on in the film, is because it's two of his favourite things, Frankenstein and Cadillacs. So that's where he got the name from, uh, which prompts Jessica Bill's character to call him an odd but charming gentleman. And I feel like that is not something that was scripted in the film. That is just her reflection on who Nicolas Cage is. He is a charming but odd guy. And that's what I kind of get the impression of a lot of the time watching these films. Um, So, yeah, he explains via voiceover that he has a uh, superpower of such. Um, And it sounds pretty crap to begin with, but it's okay because they pretty much throw it out of the window and do whatever the fuck they want with it. And his superpower is the fact that he can see two minutes ahead of time into the future but only in his own life apart from one time where he saw a woman in a diner and he doesn't know how far in the future that is so every day he has gone to that diner uh, roughly around the time that he thinks it is just to make sure he does not miss her because he believes that destiny is calling and he is meant to meet her um so he explains how he like gambles and like because he can like guess like what's going on and it happens to be this night that the casino catch on and they know who he is they know he's frank cadillac he's got the show and they're after him and he manages to like uh stop a guy shooting a load of people and stuff like that but it's all kind of wrong place wrong time kind of stuff and uh i don't it all just seems really contrived to me like and i just feel like the the premise is something you would get for like one episode of like a tv show i don't know what tv show that would be or like i don't know it doesn't seem for a for a feature it just doesn't seem fleshed out and uh I have a massive problem with the ending of this film, but we will get to that, and we will talk about that in some depth, because um, I was not a fucking... I'm not sure if you can tell it in my voice right now, but I was not a happy bunny when I got to the end of this film. Um, I, I genuinely thought there was more. But, um, yeah, so the FBI are looking for him. They get the casino security. Um, they're they're kind of like two steps behind him, and then he goes back to Colombo, and they end up going to play some pool, and then we get the first time where he kind of like we see like what he does with his um mind fucking stuff like uh he well before that there's a really crap moment there's a fucking terrible moment um where he's trying to evade the police and he envision what he, what, what this film does is it like shows you action and then zips back and then doesn't show you action like this is what could have happened like what could have happened is it's really fun and really exciting but what actually happens is boring because he's obviously saving his own life and stuff like that and it just made me think that like this film this premise could have been so much more yet just falls really short and um plays it safe and it's just boring i like and I think Nicolas Cage as well is the wrong guy for this part. He is um, 
something about seeing him run and like the choice of outfits are peculiar and weird he wears this kind of tan uh leather jacket that just looks gross um a grey t-shirt which the continuity in this film is fucking off the chart bad um at one moment he is sweat stained and then moments later he is dry as a bone <laughs> but yeah he's playing Paul with Peter Falk and Julianne Moore's character uh, the FBI agent um Callie yeah so agent Callie she comes to see him and then kind of explains what they want and stuff like that and a SWAT team turn up and then poof in a split second that never happened he ran out the back door and it's just it's just this like it uses the power to just give you lazy exposition basically people having conversations and it's this happens all the way throughout the film and there's no sense of jeopardy as well because you feel at any moment anything exciting that can happen is just going to be pulled back and you're going to be shown the bland boring version of it obviously obviously the bland boring version (laughs) is him say like being saved but it's just i felt really short changed guys like it's like the gimmick of seeing the future is just it's over and done with very very quickly um we then see him the next day where he's evaded the cops and stuff like that and the fbi he has this vision of jessica bill in the diner but this time it's not the vision this happens to be the time coincidentally that she did turn up and he goes over and like it just like it has all these scenarios of him like this is the first time as well when i i got kind of confused about the um the logistics of how his power actually worked because it seemed to show him all the possible outcomes that could happen if he acted differently and i just thought it would show him the future like of what he's actually going to do irregardless so um yeah the use of the power in this is very strange um and he seems to not use his power really for that good just for his own cd ends to kind of get what he wants in this instance just to try and like get in her company and get her to like get in a car with him because he says he's driving out to a certain point she's like well i'm going that way I've got to stop off for two hours for my job because I work at a reservation. And then that evening, they're trying to get out of town, but the the bridge is closed and they've got to stay in a they got to stay in a motel together. And then what do you know it? Not knowing each other, but like not even twenty four hours, they're in love. They're impassioned. Like they're, they're, they're they've made love, and it's just like okay, like I like I don't like really care about either of you characters really i don't like he's kind of like like he like the he could have just said to the fbi he could have just had a conversation and said like i actually have to be physically involved in something for the power to work like i can't just tell what's going to happen two minutes in the future in any given 
uh, like scenario it has to be my own life so the only way i'm going to find out where the terrorists are holding this bomb uh which is something i probably should have told you about but i'm telling you as i found out in the film terrorists are holding a bomb and the fbi want him to help them get it and um he like in the morning she's like uh given like an ultimatum by the fbi saying that they are going to like um drug him we need you to drug him and they say like they give him a, give her a very specific time window but i always i, I just thinking like I was like taking myself out of the film because I was like, surely no matter when she does it, he is going to know. He's going to know that two minutes into the future, he's going to pass out and like, yeah, like he, he would have been drugged. And uh, also notice that they're like the villain, there's one of the, like the, the bad guys in this film. There's a lady who's dressed exactly like Cage. She has her hair pulled back, um, which kind of resembles his kind of like balding, like, skullet he's got going on it's kind of like a grown out horrible like you may have seen the memes from this of him like with the eagle on his head and they are spot on i don't know what the fuck was going on with his hair it looked terrible and she has the same horrible scraped back hair and horrible terrible yellowy brown leather jacket on as well it's like what are the costume department doing like they thought you know what this look looks pretty terrible on nick cage we'll give this to somebody else um but yeah they give they say like he's got she's got to drug him and then he reveals his powers to liz when she says to him, I was supposed to drug you, but I can't. Like, I'm so madly, deeply in love with you. I can't go through with it. And um, he sets up a plan for them to get away. He's like, here's $10,000. Like, you, you run away. It may be a week. It may be a month. But if you wait for me, I will come back. I will find you. And his plan, essentially, is to just run down a hill. Um, and then like terrible CGI and shoes where Liz lets car roll down after him and like chains get ripped off and a load of like scenery and like just gets ripped down with it like a, a water tower, a load of logs and stuff like that and you just see it barreling down in this kind of horrible CGI and like he's there kind of like an overage Neo like moving out of the way just at the last second looking like a kind of dad doing the electric boogaloo um and he gets caught by julianne moore because he is given the moment where he could save her life and get caught or he could let her get hit by some of these cgi um, logs and get away and he does the right thing and saves her but then he is taken to what can only be described as um, a clockwork orange style room where they like pull his eyelids open and make him watch the news just to find out what is going to happen in the future. And I feel like, like this film, I'm going to backtrack and say that apparently just to shoehorn in and make this film ever so possible 
uh, they say that he can only he can tell the future longer than two minutes and happen to be anybody else uh, if it relates to Liz, uh, which I found like really convenient and really annoying that that was like one of the plot points because it just seemed lazy and sloppy and it just felt like yeah like a get out of jail free card for them that they could just go oh this moves the plot along yeah by the way he can um see her future as well so and and there's no real time limit on it so it could be two days it could be four years it could be whenever um and that's what he does. He sees like the news for like two hours ahead, and she is put on top of a building, and it's blown up. And the lady who plays the newscaster when this happens, like the roving reporter, is terrible. Um, I just can't. I really can't explain how bad this acting is. Um, it's so wooden. It's just like. Oh, so somebody has just died. Um, yeah, it happens to be this person. It's <laughs> it's awful. It's some of yeah the worst acting. And <sighs> I thought this film could not get any worse. And like that 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 just stood out like a sore thumb to me. Uh, and then like it kind of barrels on and like he manages to then go to the roof like see into the like see into the past all of a sudden or no see into the future again and it kind of goes into one of those like criminal minds like moments where they do like the cognitive interviews or like kind of like close their eyes and like it's shot like one of those moments as well where it's like him in the middle of the car park like um envisioning like the truck pulling up and they're like what's the what what what's the, what's the number plate what's the number plate and then he manages to get the number plate of course he does um and they track the terrorist to a shipping dock or to a dock like a shipping container or like warehouse as always that's when they always that's like that should be the first place they go check out whenever there's bad guys in a film it's like where any warehouses like the docks that's sure-fired bet sure-fired bet they're gonna be on a boat or they're gonna be like knocking about in a warehouse doing really shady things like they've probably got dog fighting going on um probably like playing darts there's like illegal betting on arm wrestling going on there's all sorts there's drug smuggling there's like human smuggling there's bloody just get get down to the docks get to the warehouses you'll get you'll get the bad guys in no time guys uh but yeah he gets there and like he's going there isn't and there's nothing less exciting then watching the start of a film and like supposed to be like the the lead character just surrounded by tons of like marines and him kind of weirdly telling them what to do like giving them like instructions some kind of weird desert looking soothsaying twat just kind of like lording over them going up there back there up on the the roof there's a guy uh over there in that building a guy's gonna come out and um 
I just don't know how he's like. He seems to be like omnipresent. He seems to just know every scenario at any given moment. And this is like, this is shown when it kind of comes to like a showdown in the warehouse where um or like a shipping i don't even know where it is on a boat yes it's on a boat and um he says you guys like check this floor i'll check all the others and they kind of try and do this like neat i don't know it's not neat they do a special effect where you get a like multiple cage you get all these cages going around the ship checking every nook and cranny looking for liz and the bad guys and they eventually get Liz and they are all like safe and then uh, he says like they're like where's the bomb where's the bomb like have you found it and he's like oh it's too late and then the bomb detonates the boat explodes the city like explodes and then it cuts back to Nick Cage Jessica Bill in bed that morning at the motel they stayed in the night before at which point i thought oh great like maybe they're gonna go through and show you what actually happened because he calls um agent callie and says okay i'll do it but i've got i've got stuff that like yeah, I've got demands, basically. And I guess his demand is that Liz stay safe. And I just felt really over, uh, uh, really overwhelmed. Yeah, really overwhelmed with rage and um, underwhelmed by the film. Because that ending is fucking awful. Um, I just don't know. I just don't know what to say about this film. And the fact that it just feels like it by the time it starts to get going it's over um it's probably like 53 minutes into the film and we're still like we're still in the build-up he hasn't even like joined the um fbi and kind of trying to take down the like terrorists and this film is only an hour and a half long and it is it is really underwhelming and undercooked and uh like one of the things i read again on uh trivia on imdb is that at the cabin cage tells a joke about a buddhist monk ordering a hot dog he actually ruins the joke when he messes up the punchline uh the joke is like what does a monk say when he orders a hot dog or something like that and uh the punchline he delivers is I'll have one with everything. Whereas the actual punchline to the joke is, make me one with everything. Um, Subtle, but extremely different in meaning. Um, And that, again, feels like it sums up this film. Uh, It's done subtly different. It could have been so much better. Like it's a cool premise, the idea that someone can see two minutes into their own future and the kind of like moral quandaries with that. And I kind of like like there is some good points that are touched upon in that like Nick Cage says at one point like he doesn't really want to help them because he knows that once he does he would just kind of become like a lab rat and made to do this all the time. 
But I wish it had gone more into that, like the 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 moral, yeah, the moral ambiguity of what he does, because a lot of the stuff he does is like morally bad, like the fact that he cheats at gambling. Um, even though he kind of tries to defend it by saying he never bets against people, he's always doing it against the house. So one could argue that that is like he's stealing from greedy rich corporations and casinos and not other people but like i don't know there's other stuff he does like he like there's a point as well he just steals a car um uh, i don't know why he does that because he obviously knows he's being followed and they will catch him uh, if he just jumps in any old car and for someone who can see into the very near future he can't seem to look into the deep future that he's just running his life into the ground and fucking up majorly um so yeah that is just like a real uh big problem with it uh and like around like one moment it's a pretty cool moment uh really like to show liz about his power he like said like he says what the next line is on the TV before it happens. Um, and one of those is uh, uh, when he's zapping through, there is a clip from the f- movie Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Loving. I Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Uh, yeah, and he's leaving it on for the FBI to listen to. And the plot of Dr. Strangelove is about a rogue general attempting to start a nuclear holocaust with a wayward nuke an obvious reference uh yes as like uh i guess people probably know or if you don't know references like this in films are not um accidental because obviously they have to pay for the licensing to use those clips from films so yeah uh but this again feels like something that um brought up in the wicker man episode referencing films that are far better than the film you are currently making just feels like an insult to the audience because you are reminding those people of how much better those films are that you are calling upon and referencing um and it's unfair to do to be honest because we want better than that we don't want to be reminded of the brilliance of stanley kubrick and um arguably some his best film whilst we're watching a turgid piece of shit which would have been well at place on like i don't know cbs yeah i think that's a that's a tv channel in america i don't know do they i don't know if they put out shit uh, any american listeners feel free to let me know if that is the case um but yeah that is this film um again i can't just express how underwhelmed i feel and like i just felt like i rattled through that plot uh today and there's not really much else to go like into apart from like he's just like a, a really weird guy in this um i've covered the fact that he's dressed really weird the haircut is very bizarre very odd and uh, very disturbing uh he is 
I don't know, he runs really weird. This is maybe the first time I've noticed it, but like, he is not, he does not look like an action star. And like, maybe he's not meant to be. I don't know, like, and I felt like even, even referencing other films, I felt like, like the kind of nuclear bomb, like the big bomb inside of a city kind of thing, just reminded me of, um, the rock um which is a cage film that is much better than this but more so reminded me of face off with the like opening or like the kind of yeah scene with uh Castro troy putting the bomb in downtown la and like that kind of looming over the film for a bit and this kind of like yeah reminded me of that and i was like oh man i would much prefer to be watching face off right now but instead i am watching next wishing if only i could have seen into the future so i didn't have to watch this film um so we now know what i thought of this film let's have a little look if the internet agrees with me or a complete idiot's and think this is a masterpiece. Was the anagram Hunter's anagram to remind you? It was ten and an X. Maybe prophesizing that this film, just like Cage, can prophesize that this is a ten out of ten film. But I'm sorry to disappoint the prophet that is the anagram Hunter. But this film is a measly. 6.2 out of 10 which i feel may be not low enough uh, rotten tomatoes however is a lot more in keeping with my view on this film with a very piddly 28 percent and metacritic giving it 42 um i'm not sure if anyone as well i'm just looking here at the poster for this it looks shit the poster is like I will be posting it on social media because I kind of have to like to let people know what film the fuck I'm talking about. But the poster for this is just fucking awful. Um, oh, if, if for those of you who don't who don't who just 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 listen to the podcast, don't 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 keep up on social media. It's a, it looks like the type of poster you would get for a um, I don't know blue crush do you know, like that. That like um, oh, surfing film. It's kind of like, it's like a blue hue with cages like face sideways, and then it kind his face fades off into black. But Jessica Bill and Julianne Moore are there, and then under Cage's chin in his like silhouette of his body, there is the city, and then just a, a random explosion, and then oh, it's. That like I know you shouldn't judge things by the cover, but genuinely, this is probably why I never watched this film at the time when it was released because I saw that cover and went, no, no, that is not for me. That looks absolutely dog shit, and I feel like we may be in the like the filth. We may be in the swampy times. I uh, hate to think that going forward. The quality may decrease even further, 
with Cage's films, we may have a few upticks, but I feel like this may be this may be the decline, guys. And I'm I'm worried. I'm worried for my future. I'm worried for yours. I genuinely don't know where this podcast is going to go. But next week, I know because I have seen this film that there is an uptick. There is a little bit of joy because I will be talking to Joe and or Phil of those movie guys to discuss National Treasure to the Book of Secrets. And oh boy, I am looking forward to it. I really enjoy the National Treasure films. They're kind of a guilty pleasure of mine. And uh, yeah, tune in then to hear what we have to say about that and as we ramble on and kind of see what the fuck is going on. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Hopefully you guys are. But as ever, I've been Petrus Patsilvus. I've been caged in. You've been rad. Like, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Stitcher. Uh, listen on the website www.cagedinpodcast.com and uh, social media if you fancy it Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Caged In Pod you've been rad bye this podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective home of the Pod Charles Cinecast Caged In Coppola Connections a Drip Town Limery, Maine franchised and many more to come our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you please support our shows by subscribing leaving ratings and reviews and becoming patrons at patreon.com if you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs head over to breadcrumbscollective.com breadcrumbs it's more than a podcast network it's family